Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, a not-so-funny thing happened to the Rebel News team last weekend en route to a Montreal protest, which is to say our Montreal Airbnb was raided by the Montreal Police Service without a warrant, no less, and some of us were even arrested. Apparently, it's illegal to practice journalism in that city. And just will you hear what Ezra Levent has to say about this latest law enforcement outrage. Meanwhile, near Edmonton, Grace Life Church, which is now fenced off and guarded by Mounties, well, that was the gathering point for hundreds of supporters. Indeed, at one point, a section of the fence was pulled down. Sheila Gunn-Reed was there to witness everything, and she has all the nitty-gritty details. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about a protest in Montreal last Sunday night, attended by a few thousand mostly young people who were taking a stand against the Quebec curfew law. It was more of an outdoor party than a protest, actually. And although it started out joyously, it ended on a very sour note thanks to the presence of Antifa creeps who thought it was a really good idea to smash in the windows of small businesses. Um, how do you say cowardly morons in French? Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. Come back with a warrant. And close the door for God's sake. Show some manners. I need somebody to be responsible for the boat. I don't. Yeah, you have him over there. Go get a warrant. Go get a warrant. No, I need my medicine. Okay, go with your friend now. Go. Why? Why are you pushing me? Why are you pushing me? I'm not pushing you. Go, sir. Go, sir, please. They will taser you. They have already arrested one of our reporters after physically assaulting him. This is the police brutality. Okay, we have come here to observe. And here they come. Crooked cops. Corrupt cops. You're pushing me with the bicycle. Are you kidding me? Fucking bike. Hey. Hey. This battle will take us years to fix. What the police did to us today must see its day in court. I'll be there. If you can give us the tools, we'll do the job. Please go to lockdownreports.com. Well, folks, those were some of the highlights, or is it lowlights, during our trip to Montreal last weekend when our completely legal houseboat was raided without a warrant, mind you, by numerous members of the Montreal Police Service. A couple of us, including yours truly, were even arrested. But the question arises, why? Well, here to answer that query, hopefully, is Rebel News Commander Ezra Levet. Ezra, I gotta say, in all the years I've known you, I have never seen you more angry, justifiably, than you were on last Saturday. I was extremely angry, and I've thought about that, because a lot of bad things happen in the world, and I don't take them all personally. You couldn't, you couldn't survive that way. Um, and even bad things happen to Rebel News. But I think the reason I was so mad is not that Rebel News was being targeted. 
that happens often. It's the injustice of it. Mm -hmm. And to see a police force, which is supposed to be a good guy, being a bad guy, I think that was just so disillusioning for me. So my anger, my rage, I'll use that word, was not just what was happening in the moment to our people. It's, it's the realization that your, uh, I don't know, your instincts, your views of the world, your, your whole worldview for nearly 50 years, it wasn't wrong, but it's changed. All the things you thought you knew about police, about the rule of law, about innocent until proven guilty, about warrantless searches and seizures, about uh, police brutality. When you finally realize that you're wrong on all of that, because those terrible things are happening to you and your team, you're mad about it happening to your team, but you're also just crestfallen. You're thinking, I am terribly sad that what I thought was the way is no longer the way. I do not trust the Montreal police. Mm, My did. great fear was that if they went onto the houseboat where we were staying, which is, it sounds more dramatic than it was. It's just a registered Airbnb that happens to be permanently in the port of Montreal. So the boat doesn't go out. It, it's just like a, a, a cool place to stay. And we had 17 of us, so it was cheaper than staying in a hotel. Um, but I think that the police maybe had some confidence they could raid it in a way they wouldn't have raided the Holiday Inn. Like the idea of police coming to the Holiday Inn, 50 cops, coming up to a door and saying, let me in. I, I don't know if the police would have the audacity to do that. Maybe the fact that we were in a self-contained unit, they thought, oh, we can do it. I right away told them to leave and get a warrant. Yep. Since they couldn't find a judge to give them a warrant in 10 hours, they tried to abuse us. They cordoned off the whole Airbnb. They wouldn't let us get on. Anyone who got off, they searched in a violation of their civil liberties. They never actually told me what the problem was. I asked them, and they never actually told me. Now, we had our lawyer there pretty quickly, and it was bizarre what they told him. They said they were looking to see if there was anyone else in the houseboat. Well, <laughs> the answer is none of your business. Who yeah. cares? Nothing turns on it. We lawfully rented an Airbnb that is properly registered with the city, with the Port yes. of Montreal, with all the authorities. The, the owner of the Airbnb came down right away. He was quite yeah. upset. He heard there was a swarm of police. I, I imagine he thought maybe we were we had a bunch of drugs or maybe yeah. we were at a very noisy party or something. I don't know. Um, maybe he thought we were doing something really bad. When he came and talked to the police, he came back to me and I thought he was going to be mad at us for, for causing this whole ruckus. He wasn't. No. And he told me he wasn't. But what could he be mad about? Yeah. In fact, he said sort of the opposite. I was, was the most surprising thing I heard that day is from the owner of the houseboat, who's a lovely man, yeah. who's just in the tourism business. Yeah. He's an entrepreneur. He's got this little houseboat. He's trying to rent it out, trying to make a go of it. And we paid. You know, we, we were happy to pay. And he was. he said to me, I sure hope they're wrong and you're right, because if simply renting out an Airbnb is illegal now under pandemic laws, then I'm out of business. It's exactly. got nothing to do with you. By the way, this Airbnb had a capacity, I think, of 21. Correct. And we had 17 people there, yeah. so we were under capacity. Yeah. If you can shut down a hotel or an Airbnb 
um, then then you got to shut them all down. It's clearly a police just trying to come up with some excuse. And they were frustrated that we didn't bend the knee. Uh, I've never seen such a police deployment for something so laughable before. There was a group of observers up a little bit higher on the pier, about yeah. 100 at the max, yeah. at the height of it. And one of them said, are they filming a movie? Because <laughs> you have 50 cops around a little Airbnb. That's right. <laughs> Unless it's a terrorist attack. Oh, yeah. What's the cops there for? Someone yeah. thought it was a movie. Yeah. And it, it was the most absurd thing. For 10 hours, they locked down the whole site because we wouldn't give them illegal access. I mean, I would say to our viewers at home, imagine you're at the Holiday Inn or whatever hotel you stay at. And a cop just knocks on your door and says, we want to come in and, and look around. What would you say? Exactly. Uh, maybe you would be scared. Maybe you wouldn't know what to do. But I wasn't scared and I did know what to do. I said, get a warrant. And I think they were startled by that. They, when I stepped out, they grabbed me, wouldn't let me back in. And they said to our younger staff, let us in. And we got, we don't have any dummies working here. Yeah. Our youngsters said, get a warrant. They were so frustrated by this. And because everything was being filmed, they, they knew they couldn't come in just you know shooting everyone yeah so for 10 hours they tried to sort of smoke us out they threw you in the clink yep and i and i think you know that they said to our, our lawyer was on the scene all day they said to our lawyer we'll let david menzies out of jail <laughs> if you let us onto the airbnb without a search warrant they were trying to trade your freedom for illegal access now i don't trust them they were lying throughout the day but it raises the question, hang on, did you arrest David Menzies just as like a bargaining chip? Yeah. Either he did something wrong or he didn't. And either he should be in jail or he shouldn't. You grab a guy, take him to the police station, then later say, well, let him go if? What are you, some kidnapper? So it was quite literally a hostage situation. I was the hostage. Here's the deal for my freedom. I didn't know that was going on. Mm -hmm. I was in a absolutely filthy prison cell, Ezra. But I want to go back in the timeline to, to indicate to folks that we were not looking for trouble. We weren't wearing trouble on our shirt. The raid happened around 11 a.m. ish. Around 10.20, myself, young Daniel Dale, and you, we went to, this was a complete coincidence, we saw more than two dozen police cruisers assembling about three football fields away from the houseboat. We thought, what's up? It turns out that's their parking place for mm -hmm. when they go yeah. to do the protest, which was scheduled for noon. So we went along, and my opening question to these police officers, uh, was, um, hey guys, uh, I just want to know, what are the rules for covering the protests? Yeah. And one of the officers said, go away. And then another <laughs> yeah. came up to me, I swear. And he said, you have to talk to communications. I phoned the number on camera twice. It clicks off um, each time without ever going to a, a human uh, mm -hmm. person. And then lo and behold, about 40 minutes later, they're all around the boat looking yeah. in. And that's when I got my first ticket, Ezra. Um, for $1,550 for not wearing a mask. And I said, the police officer said, I was looking at you. I could see you in the boat not wearing a mask. And I said, that's true, officer, but you saw that brown McDonald's coffee cup. I was drinking coffee. Yeah. I have to take the mask off. And his answer to me was, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, there was a shoving thing that got me arrested and charged with assault. So I just want to say, Ezra, it... It was almost surreal, and it was completely coincidental, all that, yeah. all, all those police officers were, were there. But once they found out, I think, we were Rebel News, they, they were like a dog with a bone. Oh, yeah. And 
I mean, they've been hunting us, tracking us, insulting us, expressing bad faith towards us for over a month. Yeah. We have a full-time guy in Montreal. He doesn't do a lot of on-TV journalism. He's more a computer-based journalist. Yeah. But at night, he goes out with a lawful exemption to report on the pandemic. And the cops hate that because <laughs> he points the camera at them. And he happens to be Jewish. And they start saying, Jew media, are you a Jew, 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 Jew? They really work the Jew thing. And it bugged me. So we sent extra journalists along, including people who were Muslim and Christian or whatever. And they got roughed up. So I've concluded that although the Montreal police may well be bigoted in some ways, their dominant uh, motivating force is no accountability. It's, it wasn't so much that Yankee was Jewish or that Mocha might be born in a Muslim country or Lincoln is, I don't know, I presume he's Christian, whatever. It's not so much their religion or, you know, we have, we have staff who are black, we have staff from every background. Yeah. I'm sure there are bigots in the Montreal police, but I think what they really hate is anyone shining a light of scrutiny on what they were doing. And when our cameramen capture them doing bad things, they have a hatred for us. And there's this one key video that uh, we've shown before of cops saying to Mocha, why are you scrutinizing us? Why are you asking us questions? Why are you filming <laughs> us? CBC and CTV don't. Wow. So they have a hate on for Rebel News. And this was their chance to rough us up a bit. They roughed you up physically. They pushed me around a little bit, like I wasn't in pain or anything, but they pinched me and poked me and stepped on my toe and pushed me around and wouldn't oh, let me get back in. I saw in. that. Yeah. And it was very childish in a way of them, like very amateur, extremely unprofessional. Um, and, and I just felt, I thought, you know, the things I once believed in so firmly, uh, the foundations of our society were not built of stone, they were built of sand. and. That's why I was so upset. Now, when there is a bunch of people with guns and tasers and batons who are illegally detaining you, illegally trying to search, and generally breaking the law while wearing a uniform, it's enraging. So I expressed my antipathy towards them with words. Yeah. And I called them thugs, which I believe they were. Yep. I called them oath breakers, which I believe they were. Yep. I called them cowards because they hid their face. Yep. Um, and I think all those words are legitimate. I raised my voice, uh, which I think you ought to be able to do in such a calamity, a moral and legal calamity. Um, what's so ridiculous is how it ended. This was a 10-hour standoff. They could not find a judge in all of Quebec who would grant them their illegal search yeah. warrant. <laughs> I can imagine they shot that thing around. Oh, yeah. In fact, I heard that more than one judge turned them down. Yeah. 10 hours they were trying to find a judge to let them in our hotel rooms, and no judge would buy it. Which, uh, frankly, goodness. yeah, I yeah. mean, I would have thought they could have found someone. They didn't, and so suddenly they just left. But Ezra, I want to go back to something you said earlier. And it was this uh, interchange with two police officers in French, so they can't play the lost in translation card, calling us Jew media. Now, you're Jewish, you're the owner of the company, fair enough. But, you know, we have, as you said, Christians, Muslims, atheists on board, our staff right now. Mm -hmm. And if you looked at our content, I would say that not even 1% of our yeah. videos are about Jewish issue, issues or yeah. Israel issues. What in the world did they mean by that? Or were they just using the word Jew as a slur? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There are Jewish newspapers the same way yeah. there's Christian newspapers. Correct. But we can't possibly be called that. In the last year, we've probably done, oh, I don't know, 2,500 videos. And 
I'd be surprised if five of them had a Jewish flavor. Yeah. I don't even think so. I mean, I made one video in Yiddish yes, for the Jewish community of Montreal, but it was just to speak to them in Yiddish. Yes. It actually wasn't Jewish in content. It was, yeah. hey guys, you're getting all these pandemic arrests. We'll give you a lawyer through Fight the Fines. I can't even think of five stories we've done about Israel. I mean, I'm not afraid to talk about Israel. It's just not, our priorities these days are the pandemic, civil liberties, um, the lockdowns, police brutality, cancel culture, uh, spending, you know, the economy, unemployment. Like, the, like Israel is not on the list. I, and believe me, if it is, I'm not shy about it. For them to call us Jew media, <laughs> I, it's, I mean, I don't want to be a trigger finger on calling people racist or anti-Semitic. Yeah. I, I say again, I believe their chief malice towards us was rooted in the fact that we're exposing them. Yes. Whether or not we were English, French, Jewish, Christian, whatever is secondary. But I think it shows how unprofessional the force is. I experienced that firsthand. They were lying throughout the day to our lawyer, lying to us. And I think the ultimate proof of their corruption was how they tried to do a bargain with your freedom. Either you could go or you couldn't. Either they were holding you properly or not. Either their charges against you were bona fide or they're not. Now, we take the position that the charges against you are false. Yep. Um, we'll vigorously defend them. I'm certain you'll be acquitted. I think it's just another form of their harassment. But even taking them on their own terms, either you did something wrong or you didn't. So if you did something wrong, why, why would they let you go early unless they're using it as a poker chip? That I can just imagine how that plays out every day by the Montreal police. That little petty corruption, I'll enforce this law unless you give me a favor. I won't enforce that law if you do this or don't do that. As if, I mean, it's, it just reminds, I just watched the movie The Godfather again, <laughs> part two, where they have lots of flashbacks to, you know, Little Italy and New York and how The Godfather was coming back. And everything was a little shakedown. Everything was a little bit of, oh, can I dip my beak a little bit? Can I get... <laughs> Free, free, like just the God, the Godfather he deposed walking through Little Italy, just stealing a little bit from everybody he went by, and be, because if you resisted, he would hurt you. I get the feeling that is the style of Canada's most corrupt police. The other day on my live stream, we typed in Montreal police corruption into yes. Google, and literally two and a half million hits. Two came and a half out. million. They are by far the most corrupt police force in Canada. They, they're constantly plagued with corruption accusations, constant resignations, constant inve investigations. They really are, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to say they're worse than the Chicago police or the police in Louisiana under Huey Long. I want to give them credit for mm. being the dirtiest police in North America. But I'd say that the Montreal police force is in the top three most corrupt police forces in North America. And it's deeply embarrassing to Quebec yeah, I, I agree. One last question to wrap things up, Ezra. Looking ahead. Now, I have to go back to Montreal on May 12th. I have to get my mug shots done. I have to be fingerprinted because I'm facing a potential criminal record if I get convicted. And they made it clear to me if I don't come back on that day, there will be a Canada-wide warrant for my arrest. Um, so I will be going back, of course. But in terms of us as a company, uh, Ezra, what are we going to do in terms of perhaps civil litigation? Right. Well, I had a great conversation with our lawyers today about it. Obviously, I don't want to give away our confidential strategy, but I don't think it's a secret to say three things. First of all, we're going to defend you 
with a legal dream team. I mean, we're going to absolutely, <laughs> absolutely fight tooth and nail all the way, and I think we'll win. The second thing is, I read in La Presse that the Montreal police, they didn't give anyone else any tickets that day. I hear they're going to be sending a bunch of tickets over by mail. <laughs> okay, well, when they'll come, we'll put them on the stack with the rest of them, and we'll fight them. I'm not afraid of that. I mean, if you got a ticket for drinking coffee uh, without a mask, I'd like to, well, I mean, I, I guess masks do sort of look like coffee filters sometimes, yeah. but, you know, tell it to the judge. But I think that besides defending their false uh, prosecutions, I think we have to put them on the back foot. I think yeah. we have to, I, you know, I have a, a, I think sometimes different institutions, like we're suing the Toronto Police Service yes. for violence against you and others. We're suing the York Regional Police. Yeah. Our friend Avi Amini in Melbourne, Australia, was brutally attacked by police. It was Incredible. crazy. Yeah. We're suing the Victoria Police. That's the name of the state in yeah. Australia. So we're no strangers to suing police. We're not afraid of suing anybody. We sue the Prime Minister from time to time. <laughs> so I believe that it is probably necessary for us to sue not only individual police officers, but the SPVMs uh, itself. That stands for the Montreal Police for the Ville, Ville Montreal. That's a VM. Right. So I think we have to sue them. I think we have to sue them for assault, for false imprisonment, for harassment, for breach of duty, for um, abuse of process, abuse of office. I'll take advice from our Quebec lawyers on what the right way is, but um, I get the feeling that Montreal's press are very docile and submissive. Uh, uh, let me give you an example. La Presse, that's the dominant um, French language newspaper in town. They were absolutely pro-police. They covered this whole thing. Lots of factual errors. Um, I submitted a letter to the editor to them in French. They rejected it. Unbelievable. Not even one word they'll let us run. And... You got to think, okay, well, you're submissive because if you're not, the police will be violent to you and hurt you. But it's actually worse than that. They have a star columnist, Patrick Legasse. He's a left-wing guy, of course. Police illegally tapped his phone like two dozen times. So the police, and, and this was a scan, this is one of the many scandals I learned about by Googling Montreal police corruption. <laughs> so Montreal police are abusive to everyone including their friends at La Presse. Imagine La Presse. They, they are one of the leaders in taking government bailouts. It won't surprise you. <laughs> they love the Montreal police. They kiss their boots, even though the Montreal police routinely, illegally spies and listens into their phone calls and still they can't get enough of that Montreal police. We're a little bit different than that, David. Yeah. I'm sure the Montreal police are listening to your phone and my phone, so um, Well, I better watch what mind. I say. And Thanks. I think there's a word for that relationship. I think it's called Stockholm Syndrome, right? Yeah. You know, and you know, there you go, folks. I gotta tell you, I had no dealing with the Montreal police until this weekend. And let me tell you a quick anecdote. My impression of the Montreal police was positive. There was a great show, I'm a huge fan of it, Just for Laughs Gags, it's produced in Montreal. And the Montreal Police Service lends the comedians that do these elaborate pranks, their cruisers, their uniforms, the whole shebang. I can't think of another police force in the world that would do that. And I thought, wow, good on them. They've got a, a joyous spirit. You know what I've learned? I've learned that's the PR side 
of the Montreal police. That's not the real Montreal police. The real Montreal police, less gags, more Gestapo. Keep it here. More Rebel Roundup to come right after this. They didn't want this spectacle. And they don't want a standoff. They just want to be left alone to worship as they see fit, as is their charter protected right to do so. The police have me parked almost a kilometer, it looks like, from the church. I have no idea what today is going to bring, but let's get out of the Jeep and go check it out. If you're here, you're here for freedom. You're not here to rip down a fence. That's not going to accomplish anything. And right now we're at a, a crux where more people are coming together. For the last nine months, there's been different organizations that have, have been on different pages, and it seems now they're finally banding together. So all we need to break it all down is do something stupid like rip a fence down. Because what we have coming in the next three, four, five months is going to be huge. Because people are finally waking up and unifying. And right when we start to wake up, we do something like this. This will be looked at as if the U.S. Capitol building. If we rip this thing down, we'll be no better than them. And you know how far back that will push our cause? All we've done for nine months will be gone. Because some yahoos decide to rip down a fence. Makes no sense. So the fence came down and you... You know, you called for peace and for calm and for civility. Yeah, because we're here for a church and we're here to represent freedom and we'll destroy every bit of it if we take down this fence. And that's not what we're here for. Sure, are we supposed to be resisting? Yeah, but this is not the time and place. This is, this is here for peace and for the church and for freedom. Simple. And there are some people here who are clearly not respecting the way the church has handled this from the very beginning. Yeah, they, they don't belong here, these people. These people are here to self-promote themselves, try to make something of themselves, and it's just a bunch of hate speech. And by them spreading hate, they're just guilty of what they're, what they're talking about. They're just, they're just, they're the hypocrites. You know, like, there's no point in spreading hate. Especially when this has been sort of a unifying movement. So many people are here to stand and support Grace Life, and there's a, there are a lot of interlopers. And that, that's the thing is that for nine months, people have been not unified, different organizations, and they've been kind of separated. Now the organizations are unifying and they're coming together. And if we stay that way in, you know, 60, 90, 120 days, we could start making impact. But they'll simply undo it all by just ripping this down because they just aren't patient enough and they want to, you know, represent fate or, or hate and fear and everything else and that that's not going to solve anything people are finally starting to unify and i think we can see a change but that's never going to be the answer yeah, there are enough people who attend this church every single week who could have taken the fences down and they didn't that's right that's right they could have and they didn't and that's not because that's not the solution because uh, you know you sit here and you look at this and what, it doesn't matter what side you're on it doesn't matter if people think we're all crazy or you know you look at the policemen and the other media that are here they could disagree with us some of them probably do some of them probably agree but what they do all do i guarantee you is they respect the show of of uh camaraderie they they, they respect the show of community and unification and they can embrace that but the minute it goes bad all that respect goes out the window and that's how we're going to turn people's minds and hearts is by showing them peaceful unification and they'll they'll respect it's to the point that it's almost emotionally moving to see this well folks that was the scene last sunday at grace life church near edmonton 
as the church's congregants assembled at an undisclosed venue to pray, hundreds of supporters ventured out to the church, which now looks more like a prison thanks to that ominous fence that surrounds the building and, of course, the huge presence of law enforcement. The most dramatic flashpoint last Sunday was when some in the crowd tore down a section of the fence while several others chanted, leave the fence alone. And with more on the ongoing saga of the Grace Life Church is our very own Sheila Gunn-Reed, who was thankfully in the thick of things last Sunday because, you know, folks, you can't trust what the mainstream media is reporting on this story. How you doing there, Sheila? I'm great, David. Yeah, the mainstream media reporting versus what me and you know, a thousand other people who were there that day witnessed, uh, there's a big wide gap in the middle of it. You could march Moses and the Israelites right up the middle of the big <laughs> gap in reporting that's happening in this story. Unbelievable. But Sheila, my first question to you is simply this. I personally think what the province is doing to Grace Life Church is immoral, it's unethical, yeah. and it's perhaps even illegal. We'll see what a court says in the future. So was tearing down this fence the right strategy to embrace, or does this simply lead to a whole new raft of problems for Grace Life? Well, I know for the folks at Grace Life, it's not about the fence, it's not about the building either, and for them it's not even about their pastor. Because from the very beginning, all they ever wanted to do was join together completely unrestricted by the state without a mask, without social distancing, without caps on their numbers. For them, their act of worship requires that they be in person together. That's what they need to do. And so that's why they continued, even when the province arrested and then kept their pastor in a maximum security facility for 35 days. They just kept joining together because it's not about the guy on the pulpit either. For them, it's about their personal relationship with God and how they're supposed to worship. And so when the province moved in to seize their building and then put the first fence around it and then the second fence and then the tarp and then now the third perimeter fence all around it and stage an RCMP garrison on the site, for them, that doesn't matter because they still did what they needed to do on Sunday. And that was gather in an underground church now, somewhere at an undisclosed location so that they could all be together. So while for me, I see that fence and I wanna rip it down. And I know other people feel that way too. You see that fence, you see it as the state locking Christians out of their church the same way they do in China. And you don't know what else to do, but you just wanna rip it down. At the same time, this is Grace Life's battle. We all support them in their battle, or at least I think most normal people do. We want them to be left alone to do what they've always done completely safely. But they could have ripped that fence down at any time. The farmer next door is sympathetic to them. He attends the church. He could come and use his tractor and pull the fence down. They could have done it a hundred times. That's not their approach. And so, um, when the fence did come down, and again, I understand why people get agitated and want to pull that fence down. You feel like you got to do something, but that's not what the church wanted. And that's why there were some people who were um, actually involved in the church, a couple of them that were there, and they started to chant, 
leave the fence alone and the fence went back up as quickly as it came down. Yeah, you know, Sheila, you've kind of uh, convinced me with your arguments because I'll, I'll put you in my position on Sunday. I was in Montreal with our ace videographer, uh, Mocha. I had uh, just been released from prison <laughs> myself and we were driving um, <coughs> to do a story and we saw that on Twitter. Uh, Mocha was reading it to me and we were both doing fist pumps. Yeah, the, the fence has come down. And then yep. for only minutes later, we were deflated to learn that protesters were joining to help the police erect the fence. And we're going, what is this? And I kind of compared it to Adam Skelly. Adam Skelly uh, was breaking the law when he reopened Adamson Barbecue in Etobicoke in late November. But there is a difference, and, and it came clear to me after we chatted. Adam Skelly was the owner, is the owner of Adamson Barbecue. It was his decision to go that route. Um, the church, the people that own the Grace Life uh, Church, they're the owners of the facility, and they didn't want this to happen. And I guess ultimately, because they literally have skin in the game, we have to respect their wishes to not tear down the fence, even though visually it was such a beautiful act of civil disobedience. Yeah, for the congregation at Grace Life, the bricks and mortar of the church building doesn't really matter. For them, the church lives within them. So wherever they gather together, that's the church. And while it may have felt like a short-term victory to see that fence come down, the true victory was that the Grace Life congregation were able to gather together at the exact same time somewhere else the way they've always wanted to do with no masks, with no social distancing, and no capacity on who could attend. Um, of course, they did have to keep it secret, which is a, you know, a catastrophe in the Western world. But they got to do what they wanted to do. They're still winning. Every week that they gather together as a congregation, they win against the state. And Sheila, you raise a very interesting point here. <clears throat> Since they are getting together en masse and they are doing what they were doing in their original Grace Life Church, given that the Jason Kenny of today ain't the Jason Kenny we grew to know and love in yesteryear, do you think there's any kind of investigation going on by law enforcement of where are these congregants assembling? Well, you know, when you get 400, 500, 600 people gathering in one spot, I mean, if the RCMP wanted to find them, I mean, it wouldn't take much mm. to find them. Um, and they know that. They know that. And there are, I suppose, contingency plans in place in that uh, effect if the police crack down on their new location. But imagine the optics. Oh. of the police hunting down a church that has already had to go underground because you arrested their pastor for 35 days and then seized their church property behind three fences and then militarized the area and closed off all the roads into the so that you can't even get near the church. You have to basically walk in. Um, imagine the optics now of sending the RCMP to hunt down these Christians, you've already, for lack of a better term, scattered into the catacombs. No, the optics 
would be brutal, Sheila. They're already <coughs> terrible, though, I guess. Oh, so, you know. I know, but this would further inflame things. That reminds me of the Midway game, whack-a-mole. You know, here, here they pop up here. Uh, here comes the government with the mallet to knock them down. Then they pop up there the next Sunday. Here comes the government again to knock them down. It would just be absolutely brutal. Uh, we have to wrap. So last question, uh, Sheila. There will likely... I assume, be a gathering of hundreds, if not thousands, of protesters again at Grace Life. Uh, the congregants will be worshiping somewhere else. What do you see happening come this Sunday morning? I think that come this Sunday morning, I'm hopeful that the, poli or the police will continue to be as hands-off as they are with the protesters. They're not exactly hands-off with the church building <laughs> and the property, but they really didn't arrest any protesters for being there and peacefully protesting. In fact, they didn't even arrest people after they pulled down the fence, and they could have arrested them, I guess, for mischief. They didn't do that. I'm hoping that if people do come, that they will respect the church's wishes support the church peacefully um, and that the police continue to, you know, as much as they can take a hands-off approach with the people who come to express their dismay at what's happening here. There are a lot of people who are coming to see this who are just coming because they're kind of looky-loos. They can't even believe that they're seeing what they're seeing. Mm. They're reading the stories, they're seeing it online, but they think that it's got to be fake. They just want to come and see it with their own eyes, this car crash happening in real time. There's a lot of those people. If they do come, um, just hopefully that they behave themselves. Just behave yourself, everybody. Well, Sheila, I know you'll be there, and yeah. I know uh, we can count on you to give us the real deal. You've been doing excellent journalism in the field when it comes to this story. You've been telling the truth, <clears throat> something that we quite really aren't seeing from the mainstream media. So good on you, and I look forward to your future report, Sheila. Thanks, David. Have a great weekend. You too, my friend. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Montreal. And folks, guess what? About 10 minutes ago, the new and not so improved curfew kicked in. It's not 9.30 anymore. It's 8 o'clock now. But like I said, it's supposed to be curfew, yet I guess somebody forgot to tell these guys here. They are rallying in the street. They're setting off fireworks. I love it. The smell of gunpowder and freedom in the air in Montreal. And talk about herd immunity. I don't see any police choking out anyone to say. I don't see any police tackling people, putting them in handcuffs, throwing them in panty wagons, and taking them to jail. You know why? Because the freedom fighters outnumber the cops for a change. This is going to be one hell of a night, and it's just getting started. It's not right that the Premier Legault is treating us like we're, we're playing ping pong. 8, 9.30, 8, 9.30. We, we can't go outside at night. We're not allowed to go for a walk. We're human beings. We have rights. It's okay to go outside after a certain time. The government can't put us on house arrest. 
They can't do this to us. It's not right. Bogdan, governments of every level, every political stripe say all their decisions are being based on science. So please inform me, what was the science that up until tonight we had a 9.30 curfew in Quebec and from this night forward it has to be 8 o'clock again? I don't get it. Well, I don't think there is any science that backs up any kind of, of curfew order. It's not, it's not right that... Apparently, after a certain time, we, uh, we're at a danger for the community just because we're, we're outside. And after a certain time, all of a sudden, it's okay. Other pe some people are night owls, some people stay out during the day. It's okay, it's not right for me, who likes to be a night owl. I like to come to the old port at night and just walk around by myself when there's not many people, but now I can't do this anymore. So, Suhail, so, hey, what brings you out to this freedom rally? Well, I got to see like what Montreal has to offer compared to other states or like the United States, Canada, etc. So it's the first time I'm seeing a, a revoltation. I'm really impressed. I've never seen this before. It's a new from Montreal. I'm really impressed. It's like American, so let's do it. Fantastic. Well, you know, it's after 8 o'clock. You are a criminal right now, sir. Are you worried about the Montreal police? I'm, oh, not, I don't... I'm not technically criminal. Okay. If you look at the Charter's Rights of Canada, I'm not technically criminal. Yes. It's our right to be out right like right now, and we're not criminals right now. It's just an emergency state, and we are not criminals to be out right now. Do you think the Montreal Police Service is familiar with the Charter of Rights in the Canadian Constitution? They are very uh, conscious of it, okay. but they will act in their own rules. Yeah. And uh, they will come out tonight. There is a team right there, there is a team right there, and you can see a team right there. Okay. They're ready to go, and they think like everyone's going to react in a pair of tickets, but as people that are here, we know our rights, and that's it. Any prediction? Are they going to allow you to have fun, blow off some steam, and then go home? Or are they going to come in with the heavy artillery, the tear gas and the water cannons and whatnot? For tonight? Yes. Uh, they're coming in full. They're coming in one team right there, one team right there. We saw a team of 28. You can see the van. Well, I'm with, I'm with Rebel News superfan Libby. Libby, what brings you out to this Freedom Rally? So definitely what brings me out to the Freedom Rally is that we don't have enough people here. We should have the whole town, the whole city, our whole country. We should get back all our rights, our freedom of religion, our freedom of expression, all our freedoms. What the government is doing is like 1939 in Germany. We had enough, I have enough, the whole community had enough. The whole entire, the whole entire world had enough. For our politicians, our corrupted politicians, we should tell them they should go to hell. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. All right. You know what, folks? This is just despicable. I understand the outrage by these young people in terms of their freedoms being eclipsed, but you don't take it out on little retailers like this. This is Sandrini. It's a shoe store. Um, I'm sure the last thing this uh, retailer needs to do during this outrageous pandemic is to make an insurance claim. And look, again, legend. I mean, this is, this is horrible. You know, here's somebody trying to sell hockey jerseys and whatnot, and he's got a, a street sign smashed through the window. This, this is not cool. This is not good. Well, to borrow a line from Charles Dickens, last Sunday night in Montreal was the best of times. It was the worst of times. 
You see, a few thousand mostly young freedom fighters kicked off the evening by literally dancing in the streets, setting off fireworks and blasting their boomboxes. Sure, they may have run afoul of some noise bylaws, but it was a delightfully festive occasion. Alas, later on, as they often do, those anarchists who comprise the rank and file of the Black Bloc and Antifa just had to show up to commit disgusting acts of vandalism against small business owners, even though these hooligans were less than a percent of a percent of the group, their actions would be pounced upon by the mainstream media to depict all the protesters are as being violent. How sad is that? In any event, you had plenty to say about our night when so many took a stance against Premier Legault's ludicrous Wuhan virus restrictions. Alex Immersive writes, my first thought when I saw them smashing small businesses was Antifa. Well, your first thought was correct, Alex. You know, Antifa is actually a contraction, meaning anti-fascist. But given their odious and violent behavior, they actually resemble pure fascists. They shouldn't be called Antifa. They should just be called Fa for fascists because that's exactly what they are. First Black PM writes, Better journalism will be found nowhere on the planet. <laughs> well, First Black PM, thank you so much for such a great compliment. We're just trying to tell the other side of the story. You know, we did see the CBC there. We tried to interview the reporter. She actually ran away claiming not to speak English. Do you believe that, folks, that a reporter in a large bilingual city like Montreal cannot speak English? Or is this yet more lies emanating from the taxpayer-funded state broadcaster? Oh man, I want my money back. BFG 10,000 writes, The lockdown will end when the people say it should end. Rise up, Canucks. We are with you from down south. Hey, BFG 10,000, if by down south you mean such states as Florida or Texas, wow, how I wish I was there. How splendid to have governors who actually lead and follow the Constitution rather than cowering behind medical health officials. Thanks to that kind of stewardship, you have actually something that resembles freedom happening down there. We in the great white north can only look on with envy. Valerie J writes, that is Antifa turning a peaceful protest into a firestorm. They are only there to cause problems for people who want their human rights respected. Indeed, Valerie, and could someone kindly explain why Antifa thinks they are sticking it to the man by vandalizing small businesses that are barely hanging on right now? What creeps? Tame Thing writes, newsflash to the COVID-19 dictators, viruses can't tell time. Ah, but apparently when it comes to Premier Legault, viruses are equipped with teeny tiny Timex watches and they can indeed tell the time and while staying up until 9.30 used to be okay in La Belle Provence, now everyone must be in bed by 8 p.m. Unless you have a dog, of course, in which case you can venture outdoors anytime you want. Folks, does any of this make sense to anyone? <coughs> and Phoenix Tomatoes writes, Thank you for your coverage and fast upload of this video. As predicted, the mainstream media puts all the vandalism on the people that were there for the actual protest. You showed clearly who were the ones causing trouble. Thanks, Phoenix Tomatoes. We truly have great videographers and video editors here at Rebel News. 
And allow me again to say to one and all, when it comes to the pandemic reporting by the mainstream media, folks always, always take their reportage with a shovelful of salt. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.